There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. It's complex providing young people with the knowledge, the tools they need to stay safe on the road. Go down to your child's school and teachers have tattoos and piercings in the bank, anywhere you go. Restaurants are not making vast profits. Pay our suppliers, staff, and we pay our bills. And there's very little left out of that. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ. Morning, morning. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful morning. I I took a photograph this morning. I just got a chance to snatch a quick photo as I was crossing Patrick's Bridge. It was around a quarter past seven. In or around. And for the very first time this year, for the very first time in 2024, I could see it. Just the outline of it, that little tint of orange over the harbour with the sunrise at that stage. Sunrise was timed this morning for around 5 to 8, 10, 5 to 8. This was what they called the nautical twilight. The civil twilight was breaking over Cork Harbour. As I looked out off Patrick's Bridge this morning, it was gorgeous and a big wide smile in my face because well you know me and my sunrises and my mornings and the fact that the dark mornings are ending and will have ended pretty much ended by the end of this month which is which is just great just great oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. the number text to whatsapp is 083 396 96 and the email is opinion at 96fm Dot IE. Uh, it is, however, with tragedy that we start this morning because this story was breaking on Friday as we were on the air. And I'd seen it come up on my notifications and I kind of left it there because there was an awful lot more to it. If there are small ears in the room as I go through the detail, maybe. Maybe send them in next door for two seconds because this is a very tragic story. I speak of the death of Matthew Healy Purcell, a little six-year-old lad who died in hospital Friday. He was found unresponsive in a car on the outskirts of Dunmore East in County Waterford. His daddy is from Watergrass Hill. Dad's name is James. 
and he will indeed his funeral will take place in Watergrass Hill in the coming days he was a senior infants pupil at Faithlake National School in Cheek Point in County Waterford where he lived with his, his mummy um, a woman is in custody she was arrested after after his body was found at a place called Rathmoylan Cove but just after midnight Friday night she has required constant medical attention across the weekend. The results of a post-mortem on Matthew were described as inconclusive. Initially, people thought he was drowned because he was soaking wet when he was found in the back of a car. But now they believe that he was suffocated. Olivia Kelleher has a lot of coverage in the examiner this morning. Also, Ralph Regal and Ken Foy uh, doubling up on this story in The Independent, where they say that de- detectives hoping to get medical clearance today to question a 38-year-old woman about the death of Matthew Purcell Healy. She is said to be known to him. She was arrested, as they say, at, as we heard, at Rathmoylan Cove. He was in his school uniform in the back seat of a parked car. He was unresponsive and soaking wet. He was still alive when he was found, and paramedics did everything they could, and then some. Then they got him to the hospital in Waterford, where they worked on him until the early hours of Friday morning, but unfortunately it was too late, and the little boy was pronounced dead at two o'clock on Friday morning. Uh, The alarm had been raised by a resident in Rathmoylan just before midnight, where the resident reported to Gardaí that a woman was screaming out on the road, screaming about something happening to a child. The, the, the neighbour, the resident, was very concerned. They rang the guards. and Then they went out into the street and offered the phone to the woman. She'd been banging on doors and windows, screaming for help, saying something had happened to the child. The person who'd called the Gardaí took the phone out into the street handed it to the woman who shouted a few quick words down the phone line and then gave the phone back and left, fled the scene on foot. When the guards arrived, she was found. She was also soaking wet. She was wearing pyjamas and a dressing gown. And she was found near a parked car on a laneway that leads down to this cove, this little beach. And the poor little boy was in the back seat of the car and, as you said, as I heard previously, soaking wet and in his school uniform. And he passed away in the early hours of um, of Friday morning. Yeah, It's also being reported today that, again by Ralph and Ken in The Independent, that detectives are now examining whether an event earlier on Thursday was linked to her highly emotional condition. They don't say what that event was, but they report that the woman had been extremely agitated and upset for several weeks over a matter which was scheduled to conclude on Thursday. I'm sure we will hear more in the fullness of time, but the tributes poured in over the weekend um, for poor little Matthew and his uh, his funeral his funeral mass will take place in Watergrass Hill later this week. That's one that's a, it's an unfolding story and a very, very tragic 
unfolding story indeed. 0818 96 96 96. We're also keeping an eye across that story of the uh, road traffic accident near Sarsfields Court uh, last evening. If we get any more on that, we'll certainly bring it to you during the course of the morning. Would you be fit enough to be a guard? Or at least to get into the Garda College? You have to do a fitness test. Now, I've never heard, in all my years, I've never heard of journalists being invited to take the guy the fitness test. But it seems that in recent weeks, they sent emails around to a number of newsrooms and invited them to take the fitness test to see what it's like to, would you be fit enough to join the guards? And I see an old pal of mine, Cork woman, uh, from Killa, Diane Connor, television reporter. She was with Virgin. She's now, I think, with RTE. Diane was saying that she did it, but it nearly flattened her, nearly killed her. Uh, and JJ Clark is writing about it in The Independent. JJ, you'd be fit. You'd be fit enough. But you struggled a bit. Uh, yeah. Good morning. Good morning, uh, BJ. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd be fit enough, uh, as in, you know, probably as fit as any. 18-year-old that's part of a, their local soccer team or five-a-side. But uh, for I, I only had 10 days to train because before that I was injured. I was out with a back injury. So I was, for all intents and purposes, kind of out of shape. And mm-hmm. then I had 10 days to, to prepare for it. So there's press-ups, there's 25 press-ups, 35 sit-ups in a minute. That's tough. An obstacle right. course... And a bleep test. Now, I've only ever seen these on video. What's a bleep test? So a bleep test is uh, there's cones 20 metres apart and uh, you start on a beep and then you try to get to the next cone uh, by the next beep and then it keeps going in intervals and shortening and getting... uh, It gets... The time between beeps gets shorter and shorter and shorter and so you keep going until you run out of time to get to the next cone. So you basically do up and backs between uh, two cones 20 metres apart. Uh, it's actually a good fitness test. It's a, yeah, it's a reasonable test of you know, endurance. And it starts off at a reasonable pace and then speeds up, and it's a case of how, how, how far can he go before he falls down in a heap? Exactly. So uh, levels one to five... It's a snail's pace. You could you could walk it and you'd get to the cone in time. But then at around five, level five and level six, it starts ratcheting up. And you start noticing the turns, you know, are taking your breath away a, a slight bit more. But the, that's, in my opinion, that's the most challenging part of the test is, is the bleep test. You have to get an 8.8 uh, or over um, if you're between 18 and 25. And then if you're over 25, you have to get an 8.1 as a male. Now, I'm not sure. It might be 7.1 as a female. I, you yeah. might, uh, I might be wrong on that. How long does it go on for, it, JJ? Oh, it goes on for 21 levels, but uh, the, the fittest person uh, in my group was a 52-year-old uh, member of the Garda Press Office, and he got to level 11.5, and he made it look easy now. I, I think he was a cross-country runner, yeah. uh, but he didn't seem pressed by it at all. Yeah. And then there was a Dublin hurler, a former Dublin hurler in the group before us, and he got to level 10, I believe. Right. But, you know, that was the challenging bit. The push-ups... Easy peasy. Uh, you don't even have to get your chest to the ground. Right. You just have to make a right angle between your forearm and your upper arm. Okay. Uh, and then the sit-ups is just more a test of, I suppose, 
speed. You're, yeah. you're anchored at the uh, ankle. So there's a padded bar that you can hinge your feet off. Yeah. Uh, so you're not using your core strength. You're just using your leg strength. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that makes the sit-up slightly easier if you're not trying to keep keep your own feet on the ground. I know that's my own long-distant gym days. That's yeah, 30, yeah, you're a fitness expert. That's 35 <laughs> in a minute. Yes, 35 in a minute, uh, and you, you can usually, you just keep going until the instructor tells you to stop. You have a kind of guard, a uh, fitness instructor standing over you counting. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it, it's not challenging. I suppose my point was that you know it wasn't I'm not saying that I I'm super fit I'm saying that in spite of my own fitness that I was able to pass yeah yeah and I think you know it should be slightly harder the obstacle course then I I saw a clip of a guard climbing over the gate is it that is it that obvious like that looked a bit like skilling a scully to be quite honest with you but but right right right. (laughs) (laughs) and uh, it's funny they stipulate that you you can't vault because it would be quicker just to put your two hands on the gate yeah. and just, you know, vault over with two feet. But uh, the, you have to, you have to keep your hands on the gate. You would fall into your ankle. You would be in trouble then. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, uh, or even uh, going up and down the stairs, you have to go up five uh, steps and down five steps uh, on the sort of metal staircase, and you, you have to hold the banister. So it, it's a, uh, it's you know, they have the training wheels definitely on. Um, then you have to, there's like, that's a challenge, but it's the time element. So you have to get around this course in uh, less than three minutes and, uh, and 20 seconds. And that should, that's, it's not very challenging at all. The the challenging part is dragging the 45 kilogram uh, mannequin between two points. That's quite difficult because dead weight doesn't slide as well as you yeah. you hoped it would. It's full would, of sand you know? or something, is it? It, it really is dead weight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, it would, it, it sort of, um, I suppose it mimics, you know, what a body would be like unconscious if, you know, your partner got injured or you yeah. had to pull someone from a car or something. So, it, I think that that's a fair test, but they just possibly need to shorten the time on that. Because if you imagine you're pursuing... Uh, you know, someone who's stolen a bag and then when you catch up with them, they're aggressive and they don't want to uh, they don't want to, you know, give the bag back then you need physical strength on top of that and physical fitness and these are all challenges that, Mm. you know would be, you know, you'd be in better stead if you were you know, really fit and yeah. really tested at the outset. You wrote in the Independent that you figured this wasn't hard enough, but the only thing I'd say, JJ, is this is a test to get you into training. I thought it's not a test to qualify you as a guard. You have to be reasonably fit to get into training. Or am I wrong? Yeah, no, no, no. You're correct, and I, I think that's a point well made. Is the fact that it's testing for average fitness, not elite fitness. Yeah. Um, and so uh, it, it's sort of setting the groundwork. It's it it's means if you don't pass muster here, then you can't progress. Yeah. One, one assumes a there's a lot of physical training when you're actually in the college. Yeah, uh, like I mean, there, there 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 would have to be a sort of bulwark of uh, physical fitness. But you can fail this fitness test three times, and then if you fail the third time, it's not no pass. You know, don't pass, go, don't collect your money. It's it's actually that you can get a, a medical note and then you can try again. So, and, and then once you, 
once you pass, the interesting thing as well is that it's like the driver's license, which, uh, you know, you do it once, you pass once, and you're good for, you know, for life. You never have to take the fitness test again, where I would advocate for, you know, every six months or, you know, yeah, every year, like a physical fitness test, like I would the driver's test, where, you know, once you go past 75, you should get your eyes checked and you should, you know, get the test again to see if you're fit for the road yeah 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 there is no annual there is no annual gather fitness test I, I would i and i thought there would be you would think there would be wouldn't you in 2024 yeah and i mean uh, I, this is to to distinguish uh, like a regular guard just basic fitness from a public order order unit guard uh, who has to do like really strenuous tr- training where they're wearing full you know riot gear and they're mm. they're running with shields mm. upheld and then the ERU which is our equivalent of SWAT basically and they're like a different level they're kind of like the Irish Army Ranger wing yeah. they're that level of fitness so they have and they and they have to but this is just to get into the guards and you figure it should be a little bit a little bit tougher they brought up the age recently haven't they too you can get into the uh, into the guards up to the age of 50 how do you figure and you said there was a 50 what 51 or, or 2 year old 52 year old yeah so 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 that's an interesting point um and and i think it's a mindset thing so you have a situation in which a 52 year old uh, who's obviously physically fit and robust can pass the test, but it, it, it's been the same test to, since 2004 slash, I, I think 2004, 2007, but the failure rates have been going up. And so that's not a, as a consequence of the test getting harder. It's as a consequence of our sedentary lifestyles. And, yeah. uh, you know, and, and it's interesting that like the mindset being that the moment, the first sight of this is difficult or this is physically strenuous and people quit, whereas 20 years ago, they would have, you know, they would have just stuck at it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, my, my dad, God rest him, was a guard, and he maintained a level of physical fitness throughout his life. He he, he won a 100 metres dash at the age of 42, and he hurled until he was 43. So <laughs> I don't think that level of fitness would be there too much anymore. That's impressive, you know. That's, that's the kind of physical fitness... Like that, I mean, I, I spoke to three Garda recruits that were that were physical specimens. They were incredibly fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ, thank you very much. Uh, how did how did I know that I know that Diane reported that she did it, uh, but it nearly killed her. Um, how did everybody else do in in the in terms of the journalist group? I I mean, it, it was a mixed bag. I, I think uh, there was sort of. There's people like Diane and uh, like the Dublin Hurler and, and, and a couple others that were clearly physically very fit. And then there was, you know, another group that sort of just just found it difficult. I, I mean, the bleep test was the, the main one that people found difficult yeah. uh, just because I think my mistake as well was that, I you know, I started at like a too enthusiastic a pace yeah. and shot out of the traps. Yeah. And then asked by level seven or level eight i i was wishing you know i was home in bed <laughs> jj good talking to you thank you very much jj Clark, reporter with the independent who did the recent gather fitness test it's look hey i'm not going i'm not about to take on a bleep test anytime soon i might manage the sit-ups with a bit of practice and the press-ups with a bit more practice but you could keep your 
bleep test. You could keep your bleep and bleep test. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM The word is your chance to win free money on Corks 96 FM. Say Listen to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day to play our big cash giveaway. We've taken banter bits from the breakfast show and bleeped out a word. And out a word. It's doing my head in. I've actually got a second. I'm going demented with this. All you have to do is tell us the word. Tell us the word. For your chance to win the cash. Listen after 8, 11, 2 and 5 weekdays To play the word The word Only on Cork's 96FM Now on Friday morning I was talking to Anne About her dog Aspen Who was very, very sick Had made it through the night uh, But the vets were still very concerned Aspen had been out for his walk Earlier in the week and had gotten really sick and we discovered, or at least Anne had discovered and brought it to our attention, that there was a spate of very sick dog down around Kinsale and that general area, Riverstick, that general area. We also heard some reports, I think, from around the White Church area of very, very sick dogs, dog be- becoming suddenly very sick. And at the point we were talking to Anne on Friday, uh, two had died of a very, very fright, very disturbing uh, illness involving blood and a lot of distressing things like that. Um, and as I said, on Friday, talking to Anne Aspen had made it through the night, but they were still very, very worried. It might be worth putting in a call to see how the poor little devil was doing. He was um, he was a trainee guide dog who didn't quite make the grade. And they make the most wonderful, wonderful pets. And he was a, well, still only a puppy, still less than two years old. But anyway, that's Aspen and Anne, and I hope that the He's making a recovery. But the whole discussion prompted a call from Dolores. Dolores, um, you just wanted to point out to us that when a beloved pet becomes sick, particularly when it happens suddenly, it can be very, very hard on the pocket. Morning. It can be, definitely. What happened to yourself? He did, uh, we had a golden retriever. Uh, she's 13 and uh, we just found her in the garden. She was started panting and out of breath and she's usually very lively and up and around the place. So um, we brought her in and had to look at her and she was very lethargic. She wasn't moving or anything, very sad and just panting. Yeah. And uh, sure, we knew straight away there was something going on with her that big time. Mm. So uh, we rang a vet, someone that was on call, and he had said that he couldn't do anything at the moment and that he'd ring us in an hour or two. So... Two hours later, there was no phone call and she was getting worse and worse. She started to be, she was gasping for breath, you know, lying on the floor and we'd gotten all the kids around to start to make sure if anything happened, they spent a bit of time with her, you know. Yeah. So there was, they were sad and they were crying and everything, but uh, two hours later, I rang the vet and I just asked, can we, you know, are you coming out to us? And he said, no, he said, can you bring her out to us? So I said, OK, because he was already treating the cat inside in the vet. So I said, OK, we went straight away. So I said, my son got her into the back of his car, lay her down. Sure, she didn't move because she was, she was so erect. She was lethargic. She was, 
you know, I, I, I think, I don't know, was she dying at that stage? We didn't know. Yeah. So um, we got her into the back of the car and we brought her away and we found this vest anyway and we knocked at the door and he came out and I, we said, we were in the back of the car there, we bring her in and he said, one second, I'll have a look. So he came out of the car and he took one look at her and he said, there's no point even bringing her in. And I said, what do you mean? He said, there's no point bringing her in. Uh, she looks like she's dying. Right. Now, he hadn't even examined her, you know. Yeah. And, of course, we got very upset. And we said, OK. We said, what, what, what do we do? And he said, uh, well, he said the kind of thing would be to put her to sleep. He said, because she could be there for hours or days. And she's gasping for breath. Yeah. yeah. And I said, OK. So uh, my son, that's 21. We had the hard decision as hard as what do we do, what do we do? Yeah. And... Um, my son said, well, Mum, we don't have a choice, really, do we? Mm. And he said, it doesn't look like it. So we said, OK, so we'll have to put her to sleep. And he said, don't even move her, don't take her out of the car, I'll come out. No. And I'll put her to sleep in the back of the car. Okay. And I said, why? I said, he, he said, she might be more comfortable or whatever. And I said, so he didn't really even check her over. It was just very quick, you know. He kind of made a spot diagnosis and decided, look, this poor dog is breathing its last and, and the best we can do is put it to sleep. Yeah. And we all thought that might be the kindest thing to do, even though very upsetting, the kindest thing for her. And, yeah. you know, in case she was in any pain or anything and discomfort. So we, he went in and he shaved her leg and he gave her the injection. He said, you can go in there now and spend some time with her. So we were in the back of the car just talking to her, letting her go to sleep and telling her we were there and what have you. And, uh, sorry, no, but, you know, if you're a dog person, oh, very been, hard. Been there, done that, Dolores. Yeah. Been yeah. there, done that. And um, so we got out of the car then. She went to sleep. And my son said, what do you want us to do? Because we were going to get her cremated. He said, uh, oh, uh, bring her in. He wouldn't even pick her up out of the car. He got my son to bring her in. And he put her on the table or whatever. And... Uh, I said, look, we want her cremated. And I said, her partner, which died six months previous at age 13 as well, had been cremated with a different vet and treated in a different vet. And so I said, we wanted the same type of box and this and that, what have you. And I said, what, what's the price? He said, 700 euros. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, 700 euros. I take card, I take cash and you have to pay me now. And I said, can we not pay for what you've done now and pay for her when she comes back? And he said, no, I want it all up front. So oh. I was a bit taken aback. I had asked my son, like, what money he had on his card, see what money I had on my card. And, you know, in the moment when you're so distraught, you don't even think you just do it. You know, yeah. you just do it. Yeah. So we did. But I just thought he never laid his hands on her just to shave her leg and give her the injections, you know. So anyway, we went away from there. And it was only afterwards. And a couple of weeks afterwards, I was thinking to myself, like, this is crazy. So I went back to my own vet that I got my other dog, which is a golden retriever, her partner, as I the said. The C-103 has been informed. Um, months previous, he had to be put to sleep. He had a cancer growth on his back. And for everything there, it was 270 euros. Mm. A bigger dog. He was a bit bigger than her. Yeah. You know? And it was three times the price of what we paid. Yeah. And like you say, in the moment, you want it. So you pay for it? Yeah. You want her out of pain. You don't want her to be there, but I just thought we were caught, I'd be honest with you, and I don't want anybody else to be caught in that situation again. I'm not sure what the 
average cost is or whether there's a cost depending on the breed of the dog, the size of the dog, I don't know. That is a lot of money, though, 700 euro. Yeah, but you see, what we've done is her partner that died six months previous was the same type of dog, was a bigger dog. Yeah. And had the same casket and the same crematorium, you know, it's got cremated in the same place. Um, he said he put her to sleep and he used, you know, barbiturates and uh, euthanasia to put her to sleep and that was 230 and he was giving us a call out charge of 150. Hold when on, hold on, the call out charge. So you went to him? That's what I mean. We went to him. He was starting a cat out, so he said he couldn't come to us. He charged us 150 to call to him. So I went back to my own vet and I asked my vet, so what is your charge for all of this? And they had it all on a receipt from our previous dog. 45 euros for a call out charge. Euthanasia is 65. And the cremation was 210. Different, very different. Dolores, we'll put it out there, see what the average cost is. My daughter's a veterinary nurse, so I've kind of an insight into what it costs. And some of veterinary medicine is is very expensive. It has to be by the nature of it, but that's a huge disparity between two practices. And you know what I do think is that the way it was done, because when we rang him to see the dog, was she ready? He didn't even know her name. It was all those things. It was just your dog is ready. What was her name, by the way? Her name was Belle. And it was just, it was the way it was done. Yeah, it was just so upsetting. I mean, I you would pay whatever it is to put them out of their misery. That's right. You know, if they were in pain or anything else. But it's the way it was done. And to triple the price for the exact same dog like that I got, you know, put to sleep six months previous. No, no, that's, that's, I just, that, that is, as they say, a bit Irish. Dolores, we'll, we'll see what yeah. comes back. We'll see what other experiences people have had. Thanks very much for your call. No bother, PJ. Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers, Dolores. Um, knowing that I'd be talking to Dolores this morning, I checked it out over the weekend with Gemma, who's travelling at the moment. She's going through the high islands and she's in Kuala Lumpur at the moment and all this. So trying to get a hold of her to talk to her hasn't been so easy. But she said that it's down to the breed of the dog the weight of the dog and whatever set of services you require. Um, she didn't comment particularly on Dolores' case, but there's a few things taken into account um, at, the, at the time that you make that decision. Katie, you, um, that's a gorgeous little boy that went to sleep recently. Fred. Fred, yeah. Our, our little Bijan Fred uh, went to sleep last week. Yeah. Um, and we have gone the same route. We put him to sleep and we're getting him cremated. Yeah. And the price difference is significant. Now, Fred was under 10 kg, so we we paid 180 total. total but like, price. I felt the experience, like shout out to Niall in uh, Millhouse Vets in yeah. Charleville because it was... The best possible experience you could have for the worst experience of your life. I know what you mean. Do you know? I know what you mean. And was it sudden with Tread or was it because it was sudden? I think here with with Bell. I think it was sudden in the terms of like you're never going to be prepared. We yeah. knew it was any day, but yeah. it was still a shock. Yeah. At the end of the day, of course it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so he had. To, did he have to be put to sleep? He did, so he had dementia, so okay. he was he was quite uncomfortable, and it just got to the quality of life was not a thing anymore. Okay. So he had to be sedated, and then we got to say our goodbyes, and then Fred was put to sleep. Do you have the the, the details? In front yeah, of you there? I have the receipt here in front of me. 
So what kind of what kind of thing? So for the um, putting of sleep and the individual cremation with the ashes returned, and I went for like the the fanciest package you could get of we're getting of him returned in a little casket with his name on it, oh, lovely, yeah. um, and it says under ten kg one eighty. That's all in, all in, yeah, including the casket. Yeah. Okay. 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 And they charge for the um, for the euthanasia as well, don't they? Yeah. And that's separate charge, isn't it? Um, Well, they put it all in on the invoice together. But I did ask at the time because previously we had um, a little dog, Meg. She was the Yorkshire Terrier. Yeah. A few years ago now, she was put to sleep, and my dad was telling me it was something between four and five hundred euro paid for all in. Yeah. So at the counter, in my grief, I was saying, "Is that everything now, or is there more? Like when Mm. when he comes back, do I pay more?" And they said, "No, that's everything." So. Mm. He was nearly as old as you. He was 14, yeah. He was around since I was 12. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like losing a sibling, to be honest. Isn't it, it, it is. <laughs> you know what? I said it there to, to Dolores, you know, and people will say, Christ, it's only a dog. Why would you bother getting him cremated? Why would you... Oh, b- I'd slap him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Listen to me. There's a, there's a, look, there's a tree out in my back garden, right? The damn thing has been trying to die for about 20 years, and every year it comes back. And do you know why? It's about four dogs under it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I wouldn't think we had a headstone. <laughs> yeah, no, they're just they're they're important to most they people. Are. That they're have a them. family. They're they a part are. of the family. Yeah, but that that's so so all in for hundred and eighty. Hundred and eighty. All right, Katie. Thanks very much. And sorry to hear about losing losing Fred. Ah, uh, yeah. That's that was expensive. Um, it happened kind of. It was an emergency call out. The bit that I found with with Dolores was that um, there was to be a call out. And then he said, well, actually, no, you come to me. That should have struck that charge off of the off of the, the, the invoice, shouldn't it? 0818 As I said, checking in with, with, with my daughter over the weekend that it would depend on the weight of the dog. It would depend on the breed of the dog, which leads to the weight. It would depend on what you want. Uh, there's a charge for having it collected. There's a charge for the cremation. There's a charge for the casket. There's a charge for this, that and the other. But but the one thing she said to me was you wouldn't be looking for things up front. Do you know? You'd 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 be nice to people and you'd say, Look, it's going to be costly, it's going to cost you this and we'll we'll set up a plan and all that. But veterinary bills are costly. Very costly. Um but as Dolores discovered, uh I, I what do you think of that though? The idea that and if there's any vets listening I'd love to talk to you about it. Like, is it a, there's Dolores, a poor dog passes away suddenly, like even though an old dog uh, dog died dog taken away for cremation and the practice or vet looking for the money up front I think that's a bit I think that's a bit unkind to be quite frank with you Join the conversation Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696 This is the Opinion Live with PJ Coogan Bernard says in Mallow it's 40 euro to look at the dog. Antibiotics could be up to 50 or 60. Yeah, Bernard, a couple of years ago, our, our last real um, involvement with any kind of an emergency with a vet was a couple of years ago when we were on holidays. The, the two dogs, Harry and Bella, were in kennels and there was a, a little incident, shall we say, where zoomies went a small bit too far. No harm intended, just an accident, but there was blood involved and there was stitches involved and there was a vet involved and there was 370 quid involved. So, yeah, it can be it can be expensive when it happens. D, good morning. 
Good morning, PJ. How are you? Good. Uh, what was your story? My story. It started off at the start of January. Took her down. She was throwing up. Diarrhea. Said it was gastric enteritis. Gave her antibiotics and steroids. And then I had to go back. She had to get her shots. Then I had to go back again a week later because she's still having better. So more antibiotics, more shots, more steroids. So I'm up and down for the last month. So then she had her bloods done. And that was, I don't know how much I'm after forgetting <laughs> at the mm-hmm. stage. And they said it was pancreatitis. So, well, pancreatitis. Pancreatitis, yeah. They said, we'll put on a special diet. So we did. And she continued getting sick, continued getting, it wasn't even diarrhea, it was just green liquid. Mm. It was disgusting. And went back again. He said she's going to have to have an ultrasound, 280 euro. I said, look, if we have to, we have to. So I went back to the ultrasound, came back. He said, it's good news and bad news. (laughs) I said, oh, God. The good news is it's not cancer or anything serious. But he said, it's a very rare disease. One, maybe two dogs a year might get it. She'll have it for the rest of her life. She'll have to take steroids for the rest of her life. So we're here now, and she's, that's a week ago. She was, I was just talking to Ema and she started to throw up. <laughs> oh, God. Ema or the dog? The dog. Oh, that's all right. I'm looking out at Ema's chair. She's still there. That's all right. <laughs> so, all in all, she cost me about 1100 Oh, you poor woman. And, and, and she'll be... I know. You love them, don't you? How old is she? How old is she? Well, I adopted her last year and they told me she was six, but it turns out she's more like 11. <laughs> yeah, they, you can't tell, really. I remember asking a vet one time, one of our one of our very, very old King Charles, we, we'd kind yeah. of picked her up. We'd rescued her actually from a puppy farm and she'd been awfully badly treated. But oh. but she she lived to be a ripe old age. Very yeah. ripe, actually. She was with, <laughs> what, what, he said he said she was the oldest oh. ca- cavalier he'd ever seen. <laughs> and I said, well, Connor, I said, what age is she? Well, he said, short of cutting off off her head and counted the rings and they looked at me I've no idea he says what age she is but I'd say she's well, at least she's at least 15 yeah, which is very old for a cavalier yeah but when I took her to Declan in November to get three teeth out he said there, there's no way that dog is six no matter how badly you fed a dog yeah their teeth would not be that rotten in six years he said yeah. she's more like between 10 and 12 what is she so, uh, Yorkshire Terrier. They're like a tree the root. They live to a right old age. W- the one I can't pronounce <laughs> yeah. is when she eats her food, her lymph nodes in her stomach can't process the food, break it down. I so see. it just sits there. I see. So every time before she eats, now she has to get this white liquid <laughs> to oh, coat her stomach. Oh, God. And, and steroids on every second day. Yeah, yeah. And the meds themselves well, aren't cheap either. Well, I know. And they're not good for her either, the steroids. But look, what can they do? I know. And the thing is, she'll eat with the steroids now. She'll eat more. No, she won't eat it all now this morning. And what's wrong with her? But she's drinking like a... Oh, like Billy O. I know. Bowl yeah. after bowl after bowl of water. But they're... Well, check that out. They're, they're part of the family, like, aren't they? They really are. Oh, yes. As I said, I'd spend it over again. Yeah, and the problem, I, I heard something at the weekend, now it wasn't here, it was on a British radio I was listening to it, about pet insurance, even if you wanted to go down that road. I couldn't you, get it. You can't get pet insurance for an adoption. Oh, I well, if you take a dog from a rescue, did you take it from a rescue? 
I did, yeah. Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm open to correction on this, and any vet that's listening can correct me, but I was listening to a discussion from the UK, and you yeah. can't get insurance for a rescued dog because my, they don't my know last the dog. My last dog was a rescue, and I got insurance for oh, her. Oh, good for you. Oh, good for you. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't do her because I don't think they insure dogs over seven. They don't, no. None of them will touch so that. So yeah. there's no way of getting insurance for her anyway. But right. Okay. <sighs> anyway, she's worth every penny. Aren't they? What's her name? Daisy. Daisy. You sure you've seen her on her, her calendar? Oh, Chris, I have. Ah, now I know. Oh, she's a gorgeous little thing. She's a gorgeous little thing. All right, Dee. Thanks very much. And my best to Daisy, who has. There's love now. 1100. Oh, my God. 1100 quid since January. You'd hardly pay that for the wife, would you? Oh, 818-96-96-96. Do you remember Anne, who was on with me on Friday morning, started this whole conversation in, in a roundabout way? This is Anne talking to me Friday about Aspen, her dog. And one of your dogs, or your dog, is very sick at the moment. There's a real alert going on down there. What's his name? Oh, Aspen. Aspen. Yeah, he's a he's an ex guide dog pup. He, um, I had him as a as a puppy puppy walking him, but yeah. he didn't he didn't make the grade, so he came to me. Ah, oh, they're the yeah. best dogs. They're the, the best dogs, absolutely. He doesn't deserve it, poor boy. All right. Well, I hope Aspen will be okay. And there's a real alert going on down there. <clears throat> he, um, I, he, he started. He got sick first of all. I won't go into the gory details. And I took him into the vets that night because he wouldn't stop being sick. And um, they gave him an anti-vomiting injection. And I think it was antibiotics. And they let me take him home, although they were doubtful about it. But I brought him home. And when I got up in the morning, there was blood all over the kitchen floor. So I rushed him straight back to the vet. And he's gone downhill ever since. Now he's hanging in there. He's made it through the night. Um, He's on a drip. But as of yet, they haven't identified what the cause is. That's the, uh, that's, sorry, that's Anne talking to me on Friday morning about Aspen, who were very, was a very, very, very sick doggy. The news is good. Aspen is being allowed to come home today. Uh, she's thrilled, as you would be. Aspen is better, getting better, which is fantastic. We still don't know what's happening to those poor dogs down in that part of the world. But Aspen, the very sick doggy, from Friday is coming home today. Wouldn't that make your morning? Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Quartz 96 FM you're currently on 9 out of 10. Okay, your question 10 was who wrote the novel American Gods? You said Neil Gaiman. The answer, unfortunately, is Neil Gaiman. Oh, you got oh, more 2,000 euros. Oh, oh, my God. I'm in love with the money. There was four repeat questions in there. And Look, so he did well. Here's the listen, girl. Oh, my God. we will be making a promo of you. <laughs> <laughs> The Two Grand Minute. With Cork Dental Care. You'll be all smiles when you see their treatments with Invisalign at CorkDentalCare.ie. Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Money. On Cork's 96 FM. <laughs> the lines are live. Hello. 
Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Talks 96FM. Talking earlier this morning to JJ Clark from the Independent about the guy the fitness test will podcast that he passed it and figured that it's not hard enough. Now he's a young, fit, young fella, but he figured that the guy the fitness test isn't hard enough. You'll hear more about that on my interview with him, which, as I say, we'll podcast after. Mick says we should send Ross to do the guy the fitness test. Wouldn't that be fun? And then Kate says they're all grand and fit when they come out of Temple Moor but you can literally see them piling on the weight a year later. Of course, years ago, they had to walk the beat, things like that. That was another advantage, quite apart from the visible policing. Yeah, there's guards on bicycles now, Kate, and there are guards out who are very fit. Any of the elite units like the ERU or any of those, they're all very, very, very fit. And remember, this fitness test that JJ passed was just a fitness test to get into the guard the college. One assumes that a very big part of training as a guard is regular fitness work. One would assume, and one would certainly hope. I think it is, to be fair. But appreciate that. 0818 96 96 96. The number, text or WhatsApp, 083 396 96 96. The email is opinion at 96mm.ie. How is the bottle tax working out for you? I haven't yet got a bottle with a label on it or a can with a label on it and I haven't been to a machine yet my local Aldi where we get most of our stuff are selling off a lot of their old stock at the old price and I was chatting to one of the people on the counters down there and they said yeah, that's that's their policy they're selling off all of their old stock um, until the new stock comes in uh, and then the machines now you can come in there and you can use their machines still but I haven't used a machine yet, so I'm not too sure what they're like. I haven't come across uh, an opportunity to use them. But I'm seeing pictures of machines that are out of order. I'm seeing pictures of machines that are full. I'm seeing pictures of machines that say don't insert your bottles yet. There's not. There's a lot of confusion there. And a lot of upset. A lot of people are very annoyed about this, this scheme. Which, to be fair, over the weekend on my social media, I came across a video that I posted it's the bones of 10 or 12 years ago from Norway where this scheme works really really well and they were ranting and raving about how brilliant it is in in Norway and I remember saying at the time it looked like a very good idea and indeed it does but of course this is Ireland and we do things differently here PJ I know you've exhausted the conversation on the plastic and the can charge no I haven't really Jimmy but I'm annoyed about it it's a double tax Anyone who can produce a household refuse bill should be exempt from it. It's a bureaucratic scam, a double charge. I don't care where else they're paying for it. I don't care if they're paying for it on the moon. I'm already paying for recycling for many years through my refuse bill. It's a rip-off. I'll be crushing these bottles and cans and putting them in my recycling bin as normal. It's a scam. 15 cents now, probably 50 cents in two years' time. Like the plastic bags, says they started out very cheap too, says Jimmy. The only thing is, Jimmy, that's going to cost you money, pal. That's going to cost you money if you don't take your bottles back and your cans back to the local. I don't know whether you agree or disagree with it. If you don't take your bottles or cans back to the local shop, it's going to cost you an awful lot more. I've been working it out now. We use an awful lot of water in my house, a lot of sparkling water in my house. And I figured of working out 
about every fourth crate, if we do this right, about every fourth crate of water will be effectively free because we'll get the money back. But look, it's it's one I'm happy to keep coming back to it. Um, if anyone has used one of these machines and it worked out really well, then I'd love to hear that story too. At 0818 96 96 96. Now, have you been trying to get house insurance recently? I don't mean renew your existing. Um, I don't mean renew your existing policy. But I mean try to get insurance. If you bought a house, particularly a second-hand house, and are you trying to get insurance on it? Have a listen to this. Something that I am seeing over the last couple of years is how difficult it's becoming to get house insurance in Ireland. I would particularly see this when it comes to people purchasing second-hand homes. I know myself, I I purchased last year and it was a pretty standard three bed. There was no flat roof. It wasn't over 100 years old. And we really struggled to get a quote. And I know handling sales over the past year, it's an obstacle that we seem to come across very, very regularly. It's really a topic that's not covered enough, I don't think. Challenge accepted. Anya McLaughlin, AML Property Services. Anya, good morning. Good morning, BJ. Thank you so much for having me on this morning. Delighted. It's something we all need to worry about from time to time is the cost of our house insurance. Expand more on your own case and then we'll talk generally. So I work as an estate agent and I am not an insurance expert by any means. um, But what I see is the sales process is quite, it can be a quite lengthy process process. So for example, if you're taking someone, a first time buyer and they've gone through saving for a mortgage and they have found a property, they've gone sale agreed and they go to the the conveyancy part, which is the the legal part. And at that stage then is generally when they look for their house insurance. And if you're getting a mortgage in Ireland to purchase your property, you have to have building insurance in place. And just Mm -hmm. what I'm seeing is there's less companies who seem to be giving quotes, um, particularly when I think Cork is more difficult because there's an issue. Oh. We have an issue with getting plug cover. Sorry, stop. Go back there a second on you for a moment. You, you, You said Cork in particular has an issue with what and then you dropped out on me. Oh, sorry about that. It's difficult, of course, to get flood cover. Yeah. And subsidence cover. And for your mortgage to go through, you need to have insurance and it's more difficult, it seems, to get quotes for for insurance. Yeah. And I just see it more often um, in the past year or so that it's becoming more challenging for people. They do eventually get them, Mm. but I know myself when I was trying to get insurance last year, although the property had maybe um, 15 years with the same company when I went to check to see if I could get a similar cover mm. I wasn't able to get a quote. So it's just... Wow. And and the existing company wouldn't or, renew either, would they? They wouldn't renew either. No. And I'm assuming you asked them, well, you've been doing it for the last 10 or 15 years. Why won't you do it now? Exactly. And what but did they say to I, just they they just I couldn't get a quote mm. um, and I tried a few different brokers and I have I managed to get it and when I'm handling the sales of properties um, 
I get calls all the time and we do eventually get them, but it just seems to be more of a challenge. Now, of course, when the, the building insurance that you get when you are purchasing a home, it's there to cover, it must be in place, you know, to get your mortgage. Yeah. But it's there because they have, you know, if something happens to the property, you know, you have to have, you have to be covered. And and I just I just think it's becoming more of, and more of a challenge. Um, we have a massive issue in Ireland with like the lack of properties that are available to people. Yeah. And I think something that's come up recently as well that we are seeing a lot of is we have these new schemes in place like the vacant house scheme, um, the grant for the vacant house uh, renovation grant and derelict house grant. And on theory, these are wonderful, but most people who are looking to purchase those type of properties, they can't get a mortgage. So if they can't get a mortgage to buy those properties, they can't avail of those grants. You mentioned the insurance, that you need the insurance as part of the mortgage, to get the mortgage. Now, I currently pay my house insurance through my mortgage lender. Now, I have a great friend who Mm -hmm. tells me I'm I'm, I'm being ripped off. I probably am. But when when I took out my mortgage... My my lender also did the house insurance for me and I pay it as part of the mortgage every month. Is that happening anymore? No, that does happen. Um, but it depends on whether you're going through a broker or whether you're going through a bank. And it depends on where the property is as well. Oh, I see. I see, yeah. But it's just something that I am I'm, I'm seeing more of. Yeah. And it's 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 just an obstacle that we're seeing a little bit more of. Yeah. And um yeah, I just um it's it's just something I think we need to open the conversation a little I, bit more about. I think about. I think you're dead right, Anya. I think you're dead right. Um we all know with car insurance someone eventually has to quote you. But because of you course. have to have it to drive, but you don't have to have House insurance, unless you want to get a mortgage, of course. Um, that's the thing. I would just put it, put it out there. And the other thing, like flood damage. <laughs> I, I, if I was renewing in the morning, I can't get flood insurance. I live on the top I, of a hill. I know, I know, and I think in lots and lots of areas, even though that you are, you may be on an elevated site, but it just seems to be all over. Um, I know particularly around the South Parish in Cork, but East Cork, lots of areas of Cork, it's just it's just not covered. Mm. And subsidence is another one. And sometimes, you know, you will get your bank to uh, accept building insurance that doesn't have those covers. Mm. Um, but it's just become a little bit more of an obstacle. Yeah. 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 I, I, I did look at moving my insurance a couple of years ago. And stayed where I was because I couldn't get subsidence. Mm. Yeah. I don't know of anybody really who's getting new covers, but maybe I'm wrong. I would love to hear if there was companies offering subsidence covers to new um, to for new policies. Yeah, yeah, because it's an expensive one, and I, I I think don't they look don't they look at the when they're when they're assessing you. Don't they look at the incidence of subsidence in the general area and and base the, your quote on that, don't they? Yes, yes. Now, there's two things that they don't like. Um, properties that are over 100 years old and flat. Flat roofs, yeah. There are two, two things. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, they seem to be something that they, they're not too fond of. Um, but of course, you know, we generally do get them over the line, but it's just something that's it's popping up more frequently that we have okay. to just go to, you know, get more and more quotes. Um, and often for buyers, it's not until they're towards the last stage buying process mm. that they're actually aware of this. And um, just on where you had shared that clip, um, it was from my business Instagram page. And over the last couple of months, I have been partaking in a podcast with like a mortgage broker, um, Margaret Barrett, and um, and a solicitor, um, uh, David Sweeney of, of David Sweeney Solicitors. And we chat about all of these different things coming from different sides. Great. Of What's the, the podcast called on so, you? Uh, these it's called the property pod okay. and um we are actually going to be i'm going to do a shameless plug while i am on here but uh we're going to be um in sea church on the 10th of march um at four o'clock it's a podcast festival it's free and we'll be covering all different angles of like buying selling all the different grants that are available conveyancing all of those different things. But, yep, um, it, we're looking forward to that. Excellent. All right. We'll see what people think about this and we'll see what people's experience is with regard to getting their hands on a decent house insurance policy. Anya McLaughlin of AML Property Services is the state agent. That The Property Pod is the podcast that she's part of. But there's a thing. Have you had difficulty changing or getting uh, a insurance policy recently. I again decided last August when the letter came in to stay with the insurance that it's coming through my 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 mortgage broker on the basis that it's probably too much hassle to change and certainly I won't get the package that I have if I change. Now my, my buddy who's a big advocate of switching things and switches his every couple of years says to me that I'm, I'm losing money. I probably am but I won't get what I have somewhere else. But here's Anya telling us about people who can't get a quote at all, particularly for a second-hand house. 0818969696 or flood insurance. Like, look, God help the poor misfortunate people in Middleton and Glenmire and anywhere else in East Cork or even down many parts of West Cork having a prayer of getting flood insurance where they are. But I live at the top of Maryborough Hill opposite the golf course. And if it floods up there, it's an arc I'm going to need, let alone insurance. But you still can't get it. 0818 96 96 96. But anybody who's had trouble getting insurance, getting themselves sorted, has anybody, it sounds to me like from, from what Anya's telling me, that sometimes you could lose out the whole purchase of the house could collapse on the basis that you can't get insurance for the house, because you need the insurance, get the mortgage, etc., etc. 
<laughs> that was from an All Blacks game uh, years ago. And this then was from the big game against South Africa during the World Cup. Isn't it glorious? Isn't it a glorious sound? When the fields erupt around the stadium. Now, yeah, it's great. And I've had the privilege of hearing it in many of the great stadiums in Europe, let alone the great stadiums of Ireland. But John Downing, writing about it in the Independent. John, you point out, why are we singing about starvation, incarceration and deportation? Good morning. Hello there, how are you? Yes, uh, so we're winning on the international sports field. So we want to sing about misery, want and woe. We want to <laughs> sing about the famine. We want to sing about children dying. We want to sing about people being uh, deported to the far end of the world, never to see their loved ones For again. For stealing a bit Marvelous of corn. Yeah. Really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it, it is strange. I, I, I was racking my brains over the weekend as to where... When and, and why we started singing it in the first place? Uh, I don't know. Actually, that, that's, a, that's, that's a very good question unto itself. I, 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 must, I must put my top research team onto it one of the days. Um, I mean, I, I remember, uh, and in the piece that you referred to there that I wrote in the Irish Independent, I was talking about the habit of singing Molly Malone or Cockles and Muscles mm. when, you know, when victory was in sight. The crowd in Lansdowne Road would would belt out uh, mm. a couple of bars of of cockles and mussels. But there's about I a woman at a horrible death. You see, there's the thing. Yeah, well, you see, it's it's kind of I would describe it as less worse. I mean, uh, yeah, it's a jolly lady, uh, you know, making her way with, with with her cart, selling selling shellfish on the streets of Dublin, but. She does die of a fever from which no one could save her, and that was the end of her, except she comes back to haunt the streets, I think by then pushing a rather rancid, smelly cart of fish about the place. <laughs> so that, that's less than jolly too, like when you think about it. I mean, that's think- not hardly winning stuff on the international uh, stadiums of the world, is it? And then we had the remarkable scenes from France during the World Cup. You'll remember this. I don't know if you were over there, John. I unfortunately wasn't, but I do. I know which, I know what's coming here. Yeah. Filmed on his phone by none other than the great Don Lennon himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that as well. But what is, again, a song about death and destruction, do you know? Well... That I would have more time for because it's by the, the great Dolores O'Riordan of the Cranberries. Mm. It's an anti-war song. It, it was misunderstood. There was a bit of a brouhaha. Correct. Many, I remember it at the time. Strong. And you're so right, John. It is an anti-war song. Yes. Yeah. It, it's so, you know, I mean, I'd have more time for it. The difficulty is uh, it's it's an elusive tune. You know, it's a bit like kind of the national anthem. When we go back to the foundation of this state, there were all sorts of lovely songs pr- proposed, my favourite of which is Auron Dochish. But I can just hear 80,000 people malafoustering Auron Dochish in Croke Park on All-Ireland Final Day, you know. So you need something. It, it's not an easy earned coming up with, you know, with, with a signature song. 
you need you need something that people can get a hold of mm-hmm. and and that you know s- somebody who doesn't have a note in their head can play along with as well. Well, that's the beauty know? of the fields of Athenry. You don't have to have a note in your head because Saint Pete that, or Pete, Pete Saint John. I nearly on Saint Pete. He almost was Pete Saint John who wrote it. Wrote it such a simple and beautiful melody that any fool can sing it, and that's the beauty of it. Yes, I, 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 you'd have to give it that, and that is the reason I suppose that people latch onto it. People like. Um, a community. I mean, the great thing about matches is the community vibe that uh, we're, we're there. We're all in this together. And yes, if you can get something yeah. that uh, you know that that would catch uh, pe- people's imagination. Now, there's a great that's... rugby song that you mentioned in the article too. proudly from. Stands proudly from the sea. Now that's a marvellous, marvellous rugby song. That requires coordination. It does, yeah. It would be hard. I mean, you'd 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 need a couple of choirs. You'd need a kind of need a couple of points. Mast choir in the in the stands on Lansdowne Road and mm. and and elsewhere, Stade de France and and elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, the thing about that one, PJ, is that it is long associated with Shannon. Yes. Rugby club in Limerick. The Isle, of course, is 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 the island in in the, at the heart of Limerick, formed right. by the Abbey River and the Shannon. That's and right. I I do make the point that I can't see that one even getting past Young Monsters, Gary Owen, Old Crescent, and all the others. There's a thing. And they're hardly going to be singing the Shannon song, yeah. are they? Yeah, I th- I think one of the the things that might have led to the fields of Attenry getting such traction with rugby was. If you're around rugby long enough to remember the old Cardiff Arms Park before we had the the Millennium Stadium or the Principality as they call it now, there was a song the Welsh used to sing when they were gathering pace. They used to sing Bread of Heaven and used to shake the thing to its rafters. And I do remember being in Cardiff Arms Park on a day that we beat the Welsh. They were bellowing out Bread of Heaven and... Fields of Athen Roy started, and I turned around to the film. Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> well, yeah, of course. You see that there is there's a slight cultural difference. Everybody in Wales is expected to sing, and for that reason, most people in Wales can sing. And when they sing, they sing very well. I know this. My wife is Welsh. I remember some fooling at our wedding reception. Uh, an Irish lad, one, one of my friends, deciding to challenge the Welsh boys to singing. Oh, God. Well, I mean, really, that one didn't last terribly long, well, you know. John, I'm sure you'd agree with me, and we're we're both Irish rugby fans. I think by the sounds of us, there is no greater sound in the love of sport than Land of My Fathers before a match. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is. I mean, our, our anthem, and I don't ever want to be disrespectful to uh, our own, the Vian and... Uh, in the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, you know, I'm very sensitive to its origins and the tradition and Padre Carney and Leah uh, mm. Moore who, who wrote it and, and gifted it to us in many ways. But it is... It, it, is not like land of, of our fathers and it is nowhere near the Marseillais uh, when it comes to, you know, uh, you, uh, ability to store the blood. How, how, how do you feel about shoulder to shoulder Ireland's call? Well, I, it, I've, I, I've softened towards it over the oh, years. Uh, I mean, if, it, if, if an old song is, and, and compromise is the price of keeping the IRFU together, and keeping our our uh, Ulster uh, compatriots on board. Well, then let's have Ireland's call if yeah. if, if that's it. I'm, Fe- I'm not really against it. We've we've heard the arrangements of it pick up, and it is again uh, uh, um, a, a sort of signature song that people can sing yeah. that, that that has a community vibe. Yeah. So I'm not against it. Yeah, Phil Coulter, who wrote it, tells a wonderful story of the first time it was ever. Uh, used was I think at Lansdowne Road and was bellowed out with gusto by the choir and the orchestra and the band and then Ireland got hockeyed and he thought oh god no I can't be handling that but yeah. but some we've had better days come here did you see the young fella at the Aviva Stadium oh, yesterday yeah, something else. Stevie Mulrooney because I saw yeah. I saw them handing the microphone to a kid I goes what's going on here and then I goes whoa yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he he was some he's some uh, promise and some talent. Just uh, I I watched it in the pub. I couldn't get a ticket. I was in Marseille the other week, mm. but uh, I um a guy beside me in the pub said we're going to hear more of that kid, and I think we certainly are. It was a marvelous display with fingers and toes and everything else we can cross crossed. We may need him on the sixteenth of March at the Aviva. Uh, I. I well, I sincerely hope so. By the way, I have a suggestion. One. It only occurred to me last night. I was thinking about this. You were, you'd asked me on, so I was trying to be be a bit more positive about it instead of knocking everything. I think here's up a mall. Said the boys of Fair Hill has potential. It's jolly. It's uh, it's combative. Listen, now, and uh, John. well, it would get the Cork vote for a start. Most certainly would. And seeing as we now quite frequently have rugby matches at least once a season, anyway, down at Parky Creeve, to be a good place to start it. John Downing, thank you. Let us start this conversation. The fields of Athenry. I, I think it started sort of as a pushback against the Welsh the best singers in the world of rugby. That's, I think, where it started. But I know it certainly had its origins down in Limerick. It's a song about the famine in the west of Ireland. 
But it lights up the day. It does light up the day in a rugby stadium. And you know, you just know the Irish have come to play when this starts. Roy ringing around the Aviva Stadium. 17 minutes to play. 10 points to go. See, there's a, it's just a sound that rattles the place. Now, if you had to replace it, first of all, would you want to replace it? And what would you replace it with? Would you throw in a bit of zombie? Great moments, great moments in sport. The Bread of Heaven was the thing the Welsh used to sing. And it was like a crowd of 60,000 in the old Cardiff Arms Park. And I think that's where the fields of Athenry might have started as something to push back against them. But that young lad, Stevie Mulrooney, was the kid who wowed... I was right, listen, waiting for the match to come on. And they handed the mic to a kid. And I goes, what the hell? Who's he? Whew. Lindsay tells me that the kid sang that song on the toy show. I only saw bits of the toy show, Lindsay, but thank you. And Jackie said the young fella was spine-chilling to hear the crowd singing with him. It's just the most amazing experience. I'd love to see him at the next match. Stephen Mulrooney will be heard again and again and again. Well, the next match is at home to Wales. That's in two weeks' time. Then away to England on the 9th of March in Twickenham and then home to Scotland on St Paddy's Eve on the 16th of March when we would have fingers and toes crossed that we would be doing something very special if at at very least winning the championship. But here's hoping you could be going for the old back-to-back. Wouldn't it be fantastic to have Stephen Mulroney back at Lansdowne Road for the Welsh Games and for the Scottish Games? How good would that be? Actually, you know what? Ship him over to Twickenham and have him lift the roof over there as well, because he was great. Thank you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six On Vets Bills, Anne says, My 13-year-old Cocker Spaniel had several teeth removed last week. The vet brought him from his practice to his home, where we picked him up that evening, sent us home with our recovering dog, a week's supply of antibiotics and painkillers, and the bill, €130. Euro. That's more than reasonable. The vet is excellent, Zan. Thank you for that. Vets are different. Practices are different. Bigger practices have bigger charges and different charges. But this all came around from the cost of cremation, where a dog, a dog was, a Dolores' dog, was put to sleep and then taken away for cremation. And it came back with a bill, or it was, she was told it would cost them 700 euro to get the bill, or to get the dog uh, cremated. And the bill, the, de- the dentist wanted the bill paid up front. Her previous dog was 250. Then Katie from the newsroom came in and their old dog, 14-year-old dog, was put to sleep recently for less than 200 euro. So it varies. It varies from dog to dog and from practice to practice, but it generally is based on the size of the dog. And then other people derang to say that she's been spent, sent over 1,000 euro on her dog since the start of January for tests. I remember my fellow years, old um, Herbie, who was the greatest dog of all time. Herbie had a sore eye. And we brought Herbie down to the vet near us, and I won't say who, but we brought Herbie down, and the dog was down to the vet two or three times with this sore eye, and there was this test being done, and there was that test being done, and there was the other flipping test being done, and it was racking up, and there was no real response to go away for a few days and come back for a few days. And then eventually the dog needed to be groomed, as every dog eventually does. So we put the dog in for the groomer, 
and dog him home nice and clean and smart. And then we realised, hang on, the eye problem is gone. Because they groomed around the eyes. All the dog needed was a flipping haircut. There was eyelashes. The groomer told us his eyelashes were very long. And his eyelashes were sticking into his eye. All the dog needed was a flipping haircut. Oh, wait, one, eight. 96, 96, 96. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie. Cork's 96 FM. Listen to Cork's 96 FM on your smart speaker. Press play and step to the beat. Simply say, play. Cork's 96 FM. Message coming in there about Ireland's call. I have a great friend who despises Ireland's call and everything to do with it. I I like it. I don't make no bones about it. I quite like it. Happy to have that discussion with anybody. But first, there was a funeral removal in Ballancolig on Friday evening. And James Toomey from the Boys and Girls of Knocka Facebook page... James, you noticed quite an amount of clamping going on nearby. Good morning, sir. Morning, PJ. How are things? Good. Yeah, um, I finished I finished work there about 30 and I was coming through Ballancolic and I said I'd fancy a bag of chips. So I went to the fry in Ballancolic and the car park is directly across the road. So I pulled in there and there was a, a lash of cars and just people were walking around and I got a bit nosy and I walked up to one and I said, what's going on? And this is, we, we've, I've been clamped and then I noticed... I walked on and noticed about seven cars that were clamped. And yeah. Um, yeah, there was an elderly woman. She was in a bit distressed and she told me she paid 90 euro and they had to wait two hours. They have to wait two hours for the clampers to come to release the clamps. So I asked her, she said, you mind? Yeah, that's what she said to me. And in fact, another guy said the same to me. He says, yeah, they say we could take up to two hours depending on the traffic. Wow. So I asked him, I said, do you mind if I take a video? Off, you know, the boys and girls and all. I said, this is a disgrace. Like, I threw it up. And then I learned it was a funeral. They were all at a funeral. Mm. So which made it worse again, you know. Now, I suppose the, the car park itself, it's um, the Balancolic um, Village Shopping Centre. There's, there's actually no shops there. There's only one print being placed mm. at there. It's, it's a private car park. It's about 15 spaces on Station Road, a little bit away from the funeral home. E- yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just down the road from the church, actually, literally, I'd say two-minute walk from the church. So people went in. I know the people that parked in there, they weren't from the area because they told me this as well. And to be fair to them, the pace was pitch black. There wasn't a light in there, you know. Yeah. No, there is two pay points there, but if you didn't know the car park and you're under pressure trying to get parking, they're just soft spaces and they ran to the church, you know. So yeah, I just thought it was a disgrace to be honest with you, PJ. You know, I mean, it was like shooting fish in a barrel for this. Uh, I can't apoco. Apcoa, apcoa, yeah, apoca. I think everyone calls them apoca. And look, they 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 serve a lot lot of car parks, including many in Douglas and other surrounding areas. But but you know that that car park we're told is for the, the library and for a number of businesses in the year. But they're all at a crash. They're, they, they're all closed that time of the evening, yeah. 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 That's what I mean. Yeah, they should definitely make an allowance for um, funerals, especially with the church up the road. I just mm. thought it was just pure opportunist to all of them, you know. They just saw lash cars and they just went for it, you know. No, it does say there's fifteen minute free parking there, but look Yeah, there's, there's about, about a hundred spaces in total, we're told. Yeah, yeah. Well there were seven cars, I counted seven, I walked around counting seven and I spoke to a few of the people and uh, yeah, I just you know, I just I just thought it was bad form, you know. Yeah, you don't know, does, it, does it happen? You know? Does it happen frequently? If it is a thing that there's a service on um, 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 remover or something on in the 
church or the funeral yeah. home that there is a part. I, I, I know you're right. Enforcement is enforcement. And if you're parking illegally, then you, you're going to get a clamp. Yeah. You know, yeah. but like. Yeah, but uh, you should make an allowance. What I'm trying to say to you is like the locals, they know it. So they're not going to park. The people that parked it, they weren't in locals. Yeah. And in fairness, one guy, actually, one of your colleagues, he was there. He said he didn't even see the signs because it was pitch black. Just, yeah. and, and when I said there wasn't one light there because I walked in there and I had to turn the, the light on my phone just to kind of you know, just get it was pitch black Yeah. and when you walk up then all, you, all the signs are no, to be fair all the signs are on but you're not going to see them in anything you know yeah, yeah, when yeah. they pulled in yeah. like I said they had the other stress trying to get to the church you know yeah, yeah, it's 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 difficult, and you will as well if it's serving businesses. I've always felt this way: if if the car park is there to service businesses like a library or a creche, or if those businesses close at six o'clock, you, you really uh, shouldn't be enf- forced, yeah. you really shouldn't be enforcing anything after six o'clock. No. Yeah, absolutely, I agree, hundred percent. That was the thing, and like I said, like. They got like 90 euro, seven cars. Maybe there was more there. I don't know, with the seven that I got there and 90 euro. And yeah. like, and again, waiting two hours. There was actually two elderly people there, a lady and a gentleman. Yeah. And I kind of felt bad for them, you know, because I was going to the chip where I actually asked them, like, I get you a bag of chips. It would be a very expensive bag of chips if you were caught for that, wouldn't it? Oh, <laughs> lovely would. Yeah. <laughs> All right, James, thanks for that. We saw the video and uh, yeah, it was a colleague of ours that was at that removal. Um, yeah. Look, enforcement is enforcement. Rules, rules is rules. Rules is rules. But I know the great Dino himself. Hello, my friend. If you're listening or anyone belonged to his listening, tell him I said hello. The spaces behind, you know, Dino's in Douglas. Uh, in behind that is the Woolen Mills car park, and they're they're very strict in there. Apicoa are very strict in there, um, and the eight or nine spaces directly backing on. To Dino's chipper there, your, your burger and chips can end up costing you 125 quid. <laughs> oh, wait, 1-8-96-96-96. Now, I, I commented on this story a week or two ago, um, a water story, an environmental story, that we in Ireland had been found to be in breach of European limits on the presence of what they call THMs, in our water, THMs to be trihalomethanes. Um, they're just a chemical that occurs in water, uh, water that's been treated with chlorine, and then and those levels are too high. And we'd been warned about it. Um, April McGrath, you're an environmental engineer. You have been on various social media warning people about these things. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Thank you so much for having me on. So, yes, so I posted a TikTok on Thursday that has since gone viral. And in the TikTok, I introduced myself. I mentioned my degree in environmental science. And I then go on to explain a recent article that was published by the Irish Independent with the headline, Ireland convicted in EU court over unsafe drinking water tainted by a chemical linked to cancer. So the cancer-causing chemical that they're referring to in the headline are THMs, as you mentioned, or trihalomethane. THMs form when chlorine, which is added into the water to disinfect it, combines with organic matter. Now, organic matter is anything but carbon in it, so it could be plants, could be slurry runoff, anything, anything. Anything. So the THMs are known carcinogen, 
and Ireland has been found guilty in the EU's, EU's highest court for failing to meet its obligations under the Irish Drinking Water Act. Now, it's true, isn't it, April, that any public water scheme that is disinfected using chlorine, it's going to have trihalomethane in it anyway as a matter of course because that's, that's, that's the nature of things. Correct, yes. So the issue is is when it's coming over the exceedance level, which is 100 micrograms per litre. And so what, once it goes what levels did we level, have? Then, what level? Can you feel that, sorry? What levels do we have? Um, at the moment, like, so when it's in exceedance, it's about, it's over 100, but anything under that, so it's normally around the 50, 60. Okay. 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 And your recommendations are what? So, well, my recommendations is you need to be filtering your water. So, first of all, anyway, you have your drinking water. You need to be using a filtered water system for that. So, anything with activated carbon. But as well as that, and I mentioned this in the TikTok video, is you need to be filtering your shower water because when we're inhaling the steam, you know, when we have our hot showers, when we inhale that steam, THMs are absorbed into our bloodstream. So, I recommend to filter your shower water too. And this is exactly what I specialise in because I have designed a shower filter exactly. And what do you do with this shower filter? Do you put it... Where do you put it? Yep, so it's literally just a small little device. It's stainless steel and it attaches onto either your shower unit or onto your shower head. And it just filters out your water so anything that's hidden in our water will be removed so you're just sharing in pure water and nothing that can affect your skin, your hair or your health. So how does it absorb, how does it work with, with, um, t- with, with TCMs? How, do, how does it work with THMs? So with the THMs, um, it's activated carbon layer inside of Gaia that will remove THMs. Um, so like it has five layer filtration. So just to, if you take the activated carbon, for example, that layer will remove the THMs, it'll remove the chlorine as well as heavy metals. And then there's four other layers which, which will target then different elements in the water. Yeah. I went and had a look at the HSE Website. I watched your video a couple of times. I, I went and looked at the HSE website on these very things, try hello methanes in, in water, and it said the short-term effects of THMs in drinking water are rare. Some studies suggest a link between long-term exposure over many years, but the evidence is not conclusive. Um, exactly. So which, if you take like majority of carcinogens, they they don't really have any effects over the short, short term. But the reason that the Ireland was, was brought to court was because this has been going on for so long. Yeah. So this has actually been going on for nearly 20 years. And so how, would, how, would they be, how would it be, I mean, given the public water systems all over the world use this or use chlorine, how would it be eliminated or, or cut to low, to probably low levels? I'm not entirely sure how they would actually manage it. It would have to do something with the chlorine, I imagine, um, or else trying to manage the organic content that is getting into our water system. Um, it's a bit of a tricky one, and I'm not entirely sure how Irish water would go about that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, Maybe if they put it through your carbon, I mean, something, an industrial style version of your filter. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not a long-term solution. You know, ideally our water shouldn't have it in it anyway. But in the, you know, for now it definitely works. Okay. Yeah, they, they, they filter out the organic matter. In some systems they remove, the, they reduce the amount of chlorine actually going into the water. We would, we our, our chlorine levels would be considered quite high. Actually, yeah. I, there's yeah. the thing. If I go swimming in a pool, 
um, April. Uh, there's yep. chlorine in the water and there's steam all around me because the pools are... Am I inhaling these things? Um, well, yeah, I mean, and it's also being absorbed in through your skin. But, I mean, it depends how often you go swimming then. So, yeah. like, if you're swimming every single day, then, you know, it's probably not the best for your health. But if you're doing it once, you know, every now and then, it's not a huge issue. But you do just need to be careful, especially with things now like jacuzzis, because you're getting the really chlorinated water in jacuzzis, but as well, there's the steam then, so you're inhaling that straight away. And, and what would I do to avoid that then? In the jacuzzi or in swimming? Yeah. Is there something you I can... Can't. You can't. Okay. You can't. <laughs> yeah, so... The, the only the only solution really is to not do it, but again, that's not realistic. So if you just manage the amount of time that you're exposed to chlorine, then there's no use. Now, now, now the 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 HSE also points out that the potential risks from drinking untreated water far outweigh any possible risk of exposure to THM. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, um, yeah, as you said, like it, it does outweigh because especially it's over the long term, but. You know, we do. I do think that we need to spread awareness on the fact that this is, you know, this is happening. So at least people are aware of it, and they can then okay. make a decision whether they want okay. to filter their water. Okay. Or not. And if they want to filter the water, I think you 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 sell you 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 have a company that sells the filters. Do you? I do. Yeah. So Gaia Water Filters. Gaia, as in G A I A. G A Okay. April, thank you. Uh, useful useful information. These things are in our water. They're at levels which the European Union has said, the European courts have said, are too high and we need to uh, get them down. They're present in steam around water. They're present in your shower. They're present in your swimming pool. They're present in your your jacuzzi. The HSE doesn't really say too much that would frighten you about them. Um, But there's April saying, look, you know, they're, they're there. Be aware of them. They can. They, they could possibly be cause, be causative of cancer, and uh, she has a company that sells a filter that you put on your shower. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Join the conversation. This is the opinion line with the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool for sofas, beds, kitchen, dining, and mattresses. Over forty five years in business. Thefurnituresecentre dot ie. ninety six FM. Listen to Cork's 96FM while you work. While you work. Wherever you go. Click listen live at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Join the conversation. Call 0818 969696. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. This is the opinion line with PJ Coogan. Oh, it's 96FM. Oh, I think I've put the wind up too. Well, a few groups of people this morning. First of all, the people who hate Ireland's call. I love Ireland's call. I absolutely love Ireland's call and everything it stands for. Take me on if you wish. I don't mind. But Jerry isn't happy at all either. Uh, she says, would PJ ever stop ranting on about the Welsh as a positive, happy, song-singing race of people? They're not. I lived there for three dreadful years. They're insular, dark and gloomy. If you're not Welsh, you don't count. Awful country. I also lived in England. I had five wonderful, happy years there. I shout for England every time over Wales. Land of my father's, my arse, says Ger. Abbot Ger. I know, I know, I know. I, 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 
anytime I've been to Wales is either on holidays or or for rugby, Geraldine. And I've I've loved it every time. But I know, I know, I guess I have never lived there. But I will always love land of my fathers. Always. And I used to love bread of heaven as well. Um, and I remember going to Cardiff Arms Park and hear the old Cardiff Arms Park and hearing the two songs there and thinking, I like this place and I like that sound. But thank you, Ger. And as for Ireland's call, come on, take me on if you're willing. 0818 96 96 96. The number, the text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96fm.ie. Now, last week it was Safer Internet Day, wasn't it? In around the 6th of February was Safer Internet Day. And on that day, we were talking with Avril from Trend Micro about keeping our children safe on the web but there was also a study came out that day which said that one fifth they'd done a survey of about 2,000 parents one fifth of the under sixes in the parents they and the families they had surveyed one fifth of under sixes had a smartphone or access to one and that was a statistic that knocked us back a bit because we thought how young now are they giving kids smartphones? And we're only a few months away now from communion season. And during communion season, smartphones will be given out as communion presents. And confirmation season will be before that, when you have a load of 11 and maybe 12-year-olds getting their first smartphone. Whatever about the 11 or 12-year-olds, a fifth of the under sixes having access to a smartphone was a statistic that knocked back a lot of people for six last week. On the back of that, it came across discussion from the UK about a new group Parents for a Smartphone Free Childhood. This was set up by two parents, Claire Reynolds and Daisy Greenwell and both of them were worried about smartphones and children having access to smartphones at a very young age and wondering how they might prevent it and wondering how they might start a pushback against kids getting smartphones so young. Claire Reynolds is on the phone. Claire, your group grew to thousands in a few days. Good morning to you. Good morning. <laughs> yes, it did. It went a little bit crazy. We Just over a week ago, there were two of us on our group, um, and we just set it up to talk to, you know, to each other. We thought it would be just a few of our friends, and within 24 hours, it had gone to uh, over 1,000 people, and WhatsApp couldn't take any more people in that group. So, yes, it's been very popular. And since then, it's been growing and growing and growing. And now there's loads of local groups as well. Um, yes, yeah, so it's growing by the minute, actually. What prompted yourself and Daisy to set it up? So we've been worrying about this for a while. We feel we've got, I've got a nine and a seven-year-old. She's got children the same age. Um, we've been worried about what's looming for us. And we feel absolutely horrified about the fact that it now seems normal to give your child a phone when they get to secondary school. Um, we have always felt that this is, just not the right thing for them in terms of so many reasons but mental health primarily um so we just wanted to empower each other to talk about it and it's clear that actually a lot of other people felt the same we thought we were alone in this but actually we weren't and this was clearly a conversation that people want to have yeah your group is in england there's another massive one in spain this movement seems to be taking off worldwide when we saw the first smartphones coming on the market a few years ago, we realised they were going to be game changers. I didn't think we realised they were going to be life changers. 
Absolutely. I think, you know, 10 years ago when they started really becoming prevalent, we just didn't realise the impact on ourselves, actually, but, but more importantly on our children. We now know they are highly addictive. They, you know, they trigger anxiety, depression. They open up a world that our children are not ready for. Um, and actually, we need to update our thinking, don't we? You know, we've, this is, we now know the evidence is overwhelming. It's not good for our children. Mm. Um, so we, but the, the norm hasn't updated yet. We need to be able to change that norm. Um, and that's what we're all about, just trying to start this conversation and empower parents all club together and say let's just not do this. I quoted the research we came across last week which was a survey about a thousand parents of children and it came up with a stat that over a, a fifth of the under sixes had access to a smartphone. I'm also there's an Ofcom report that that, that you've been concerned about Ofcom of course in the UK that they said this last year 55% of 8 to 11 year olds had a mobile phone, and one-fifth of children aged three to seven. I mean, you're, what, seven and nine, Claire, your kids are at now. Mm, what what yeah. kind of pressure are you under? We feel like we are in, under increasing pressure because we're aware that, you know, when my nine-year-old goes to secondary school, at the moment the choice we have is we either give her a phone, which we know is going to really negatively impact her, or we put her in a situation where she's on her own and she's the only child in the class and therefore she's completely not part of you know, WhatsApp groups and socialising online. So what? that's a terrible choice for parents to have to make and we really do feel like we are under that pressure and we just feel like we, that's, that's mad. We need to be able to make a different choice. But yeah, you know, as you say, like a huge amount of really young children now have them and regardless of whether they own one, they are often on them for many hours a day. Um, one stat said that 40 46% of teenagers that now describe themselves as being almost constantly on their phones. And I think the other thing that I really worry about is what are they not doing? They're not reading books, they're not going outside, they're not interacting with each other face-to-face. So it's all the things that they are not doing as well as the things that they are doing online that we don't want them to do. Mm. So it's really concerning. You, you could say, Claire, that this is, some, some would say that this is the normal world in which they are now growing up. They are, to coin the term, digital natives. And and unfortunately, that's where we are going. I think, yeah, and that's a very common um, answer to all of this. And I think that's quite defeatist. I just think, you know, they've, they learn digital technology at school. It's part of the curriculum. They, you know, we're not anti-technology in any way. It is mm. part, it's here to stay. But there are, you know, you can have a computer at home even an ipad um it's the thing it's having it in your pocket that's constantly there Mm. when you're that age and you haven't learned self-regulation yet and when your brain is still developing that is the issue but certainly i'm absolutely not anti-technology technology Technology is a wonderful Mm -hmm. thing it's just that we've kind of sleepwalked into this and and it's they're not ready for what they're seeing and there are no controls there Mm. are not enough controls and the tech companies as we've seen are not doing enough to to help with this either. Some primary schools here have banned them from the premises for the children. It's it's not educational department policy, but some some schools have banned them. What's the situation in the UK? Have any schools banned them over there? I think isolated schools, but it's very much not joined up. It's it's that their outliers do have done that. Um, And so, you know, that may well happen. But I think we're not really calling for bans at this point. We feel like this is about empowering parents because schools can only do what, you know, they can only 
do what parents are doing as well. We need to support each other, schools and parents. But actually, I believe this does start start with parents. Mm. And then hopefully schools will follow when they see that parents are all on the same page as, as this. But at the moment, schools are in a very difficult position because if parents want to give their children smartphones, it's very hard for schools to then say no. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ultimately, it'd be wonderful if they were, if they were banned in schools. I was listening to an interview with a developmental psychologist recently about something related to this and the whole digital native thing. And what he said was, look, he said, it's in 20 years time we will see the problem. Problems don't develop overnight. We see them 20, 30 years down the road. And with every development technology over the years that children adapted to very quickly, it was Mm. down the road we saw the issues. Mm. Absolutely. And if we look at, you know, the rise in in anxiety and and self-harm and and all of that, it all began to go up in around 2011, and that's when Instagram came in but it, yeah as you say this is a very slow thing this is an epidemic but it's a silent epidemic we're not quite realizing it and as you say in about 20 years we will suddenly realize that but then it'll be too late for, for generations and it's kind of like you know in the victorian times we used to give gin to babies to self to pacify them we now look back at that and think that was absolutely mad but at the time it was normal i believe that in 20 30 years we're going to do the same thing how on earth would we do this to our children but that's why we need to do it now before it's too late yeah and i'm thinking in terms of grape water do you remember grape water (laughs) i don't myself thank goodness children children were going to sleep as we'd say here in ireland half caught and we didn't even know it (laughs) exactly exactly and you know the same as about smoking now it seems so obvious that smoking is really not good to you but back then a lot of people we all everyone did it didn't they you know a lot of people did it the same thing i think we just haven't caught up and i think this movement perhaps is showing that actually it's time that we all just Mm. very quickly catch up this with this and say no the the reason i brought up something like the grape water and other things like that is and and you mentioned previously we look back on what people did in the past and we have to accept that they did it because they didn't know any better and we with the benefit of hindsight we wouldn't have done it now do you think that in a few years time we will look back at the idea of giving a six-year-old a smartphone and think what on earth were we doing I really, really believe that we will, and I certainly hope that we will. Um, you know, with the rise of AI and all the other stuff that's coming in, there's all so many other issues we're going to have to deal with. But I, yeah, I really believe that now we know the evidence, we just need to act on it. And we also need to kind of support each other and, and educate each other, um, because we are aware this is such a difficult decision for parents. You know, there is no right answer in this. You're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, but yeah, it's really, really difficult. But I truly believe that, yeah, we will look back and say this was this was mad. All right, Claire, thank you. And my best to Daisy as well, your partner here on this effort. This is um, Parents for a Smartphone Free Childhood UK. They've got a group. There's a massive group in Spain. We don't yet have one in Ireland. Or if we have one, uh, we haven't heard of it here yet. Uh, this is parents banding together all over the world to call for a halt and call for a cop on in regards giving children smartphones. Well, wait, one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 You see, the problem is that when you start talking about this, a certain cohort of the community says, oh, look at you, old man shouting the clouds. No, 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 no. These are young parents of young children who don't want to give their children smartphones but feel under incredible pressure in the world, digital world, that you have to. 
And as she said herself, what do I do? Do I give my child a smartphone and expose them to everything a smartphone exposes them to? Or do I not give my child a smartphone and have them left out of their entire peer group? I'd love your thoughts. 0818 96 96 96. There is no group like that here just yet. There's a massive one in Spain. There's one in the UK. There are others growing around the world. Do we need one in Ireland? Anyone in Cork prepared to start one? 0818 96 96 96. On the clamping and the clamping in Ballancolig from last Friday night. My son got clamped in the same place last year. He came out of the dentist's. He rang up twice. Each time he was 10 minutes on the phone, got no answer. He got out and got a grinder and cut off the car, or cut off the the, the clamp. He then got through to them when he got home and told them he had calls logged on his phone, he'd had an emergency, he took the clamp off, and he still has it. He still has it. 0818 96 96 96. Not, Not encouraging anybody to take out a grinder and take off a clamp because that is effectively criminal damage. But there are people who've done it. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurniturecentre.ie Corks 96 FM Win a pair of Apple AirPods with Cork's 96FM. Just take our 10-minute music survey and you're in the draw. Tell us the tunes you'd listen to on repeat and what songs we should delete. Win your very own Apple AirPods. Give it a go right now. Find the link on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Or c96fm.ie Just take this opportunity to wish the very best of luck to a man who has just announced he's moving on from a job he's held for 16 years. I speak of Bartos Mizala. I hope I have the pronunciation correct of his second name. Bartos has been the manager at Douglas Shopping Centre for the past 16 years. He is a very familiar sight. The tall fella, very natty dresser, baldy head and a lovely kind of combination of an Eastern European and Cork accent. Bartos is moving on. News has broken this morning. I've had a lovely message from him and I thank you so much, Bartos, for that message. He's just been thanking people for coverage of of the fire and the reopening and the flood and all those things and says we've been an amazing support to get the right message across. Well, I'm I'm grateful to you for that, Bartos, but I do wish you, I do wish you and all connected to you, Uh, every success in the future as you move to the O'Leary Family Partnership who are the new owners of Douglas Court just over the road so Bartis will still be around Douglas and I wish him every success in the future a decent sound bloke who's part of the fabric of Douglas for many years and at least will be remaining there 0818 96 96 96 Now Anne-Marie, veterinary costs You were the lady with the Cocker Spaniel Morning Good morning PJ Yes I am indeed the lady with the Cocker Spaniel And I was listening to people talking about what the charges were for various veterinary fees this morning And I just said that I'd, I'd say what we pay to have the dog's teeth done. Now, I can't even tell you how many he removed, but they're all gone on the bottom at one side yeah. anyway. At, th- at, at 13, they're, they're kind of the teeth. At 13, the teeth are inside, yeah. oh, 
<laughs> yeah. And um, anyway, we took the dog on Wednesday. I took the dog to the vets and left him there. And the vet took him back to his own home that evening. And my husband and I went to collect him. And um, as I said, 130 euros for the for the whole thing. And I had his painkillers and antibiotics as well for that coming home. So we're counting ourselves very, very lucky and excellent care. And yeah. the vet just has a fabulous way. It was my first time meeting him. We have two dogs. The other is in a very elderly rescue and she's had some problems. My husband brings him her normally, but we brought both the previous week. Mm. So we, I met the vet for the first time. And I just said to John coming home in the car, God, I said, he's just such a nice man, lovely energy. And about him, you know, just a lovely vibe from him. And um, he was just, mm. he, he just tunes into the animals, you know. And, it it uh, takes my, a certain personality, doesn't it, Anne-Marie? Oh, it certainly to, does. It, it does, mm-hmm. you know. Because, you know, your, your, client, your client can't speak to you. Your client no. can't tell you where the, where the pain <laughs> is, you know. No, yeah. the poor thing can't. And even with, with my little dog, Chester, he's, uh, he's very spoiled, to say the least, and doesn't like to be interfered with very much by strangers in particular. So I lifted him onto the bed, the, week, the bench, the week before when we took him up to have a look at him. And I, I warned him, I said, you be careful now, I said, because he could, you know, connect with you. But no, he kind of clawed him, as I'd say. He was patting him and talking to him. And the next thing was, he had the lip up and he was having a look in. Yeah. And no bother, because I was kind of thinking, how is, she, how is he going to examine There's him? a touch but there. No, there's a touch absolutely, there. Yeah. I, absolutely. He didn't mind one bit. And, um, yeah, and he went through the whole experience and he came out unscathed, yeah. even though he's partially gummy. But anyway. He's on the soft food now, is he? He's on the soft food. Yeah, he's eating plenty of it. The first thing he did when we came in the door was make for the food bowl. And uh, so I said, well, you're not, you're not, you're as bad as myself. Nothing, nothing affects our appetites. Yeah, yeah. There ain't yeah. a whole pile long, let, wrong with him if he's, if he's, if he's, if he's 13, he's, a, oh, he's no, an he's elderly fine. boy now though, isn't he? He'd he be, is. He's, he'd he's, be 91. He would. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't act as he acts more like he's 13 months ago. Isn't that is fabulous, though? Oh, he's terrific. He's, he's really, he's a sprightly little fella and he's, he's a cheerful little dog. He's lovely. He's yeah, lovely. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad that he's over this now because I'd say it was very uncomfortable for him coming yeah. up to it. You know, yeah. it was painful. But the whole point was, like, I can't understand how one vet can do all that for that much money and then some of them are there with their hand out. You know, and yeah. like, I just feel very, very blessed that it didn't cost us a fortune. You'll, you'll pay whatever it needs you need you to pay. You don't want the animal in, in pain. But, and the, the, the quality of the care and the attention that he got as well is what I, you know, am most grateful for. But I just, I was horrified listening to those prices. Yeah. And those well, I, I thought that, that what, what bothered me most was the fact that, that they were expected to pay up front uh, at a time when oh, you've just lost your terrible. pet. You know? I know, and so suddenly, of course, they, they, uh, you were talking to the lady with that had Fred, the little yeah. dog that she yes, did, and I was laughing and crying at the same time, sitting at the counter this morning when you were talking about it. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And knowing that my dogs are as old as our other little rescue, she's about 15 and she's, oh, she's miserable, the poor thing, but is she's she? okay. Yeah. The vet is keeping an eye on her and he has her on meds. But um, I'm just thinking, oh, one of these days, you know, it's, know. it's going to. It's, it's terrible. Coming. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. And, but it is, but you again, you can't watch them. No. You can't watch them being in, in, you can't. in pain. Or yeah, I, I remember we had yeah. an old dog one time. He was a wonderful. We had him from nine weeks old. And he lived to be 13. His name was Herbie. Yeah. He was the greatest oh. dog of all time. He was a he was a, <laughs> a cavalier, which meant he was as thick as, as, thick as turf, but, but he was just a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful dog. 
But in the end, I brought him down to the vet and the mm-hmm. vet said, look, he said, I can give him another six months, but I'm yeah. giving it to you, not him. Yeah. He's ready. Now, that, that's a good vet. That's a way of putting it, making us wake up to the fact that it's, it is more about them than us. But, mm. yeah. He said, this just, boy is ready. The, He's ready. He's done yeah, his time. He wanted to go. And that was the right thing to say that, that made you kind of realize that it is time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But that's what happens, and look, there will like the memories they give us and the fun we ah. have with them, and the frustration at times with them. <laughs> oh, stop! Yeah, coming down, coming down to the kitchen at quarter past six in the morning to put on the kettle, and you have to mop it up. That's uh, that. every morning with our little other little girl, yeah. Because God help her, there's, there's, the newspapers are getting it; they're on the floor. The control isn't what it was, as no. they say. And Marie, thank no. you very much. That's thank right. you very much. I love talking to dog lovers. I really, really do. Thanks, Anne Marie. Yeah. Oh, listen to me. Stop! I tell you, Bella, our cavalier. We, she's eleven. We think eleven, maybe. But she's definitely ten, and possibly eleven which in dog years is nearly 80 if she's 11. And she has, because all calves have a heart condition. Well, yesterday she went out with the Queen Bee while I was watching the rugby. She went out with the Queen Bee and they walked the bones of 14 or 15 miles. And she was grand. So not much wrong with her heart. 0818969696. I love the hate that comes in when you say you like Ireland's call. I'll get to it. I promise. And back to bottled water and the machines that aren't working, even though they're supposed to. Uh, Hi, PJ. I buy water every week. Our water isn't great. It was 585 for 24 500 ml bottles two weeks ago. It's gone up to 645. And this is before the new regime comes in. I can't put the bottles into the machine as there's no code on them. So when the new charges come in, they'll be going up again. 0818 96 96 96. Now down to Dunkettle because uh, Michal Martin, Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath have all been down at the official opening of the Dunkettle upgrade scheme this morning. My Raid was down there for 96FM News. Hi my Raid, good morning. Hi PJ, good morning. How Is are it you? finally finished? Oh, finally finished. And you know what, PJ? It's two weeks ahead of schedule, would you believe, and within budget. Within budget? In this country? <laughs> As they say, mad for road. And you know what? It's it's uh, going to bring great benefits to Cork. And I was asking um, Peter Walsh, he's the chief executive of TII, and I said, you know, it looks quite complex if you wanted to go drive around it, because... I suppose for anyone, you know, the Dun Kettle is just a minefield as much mm. as the Kinsale Road roundabout is known as the magic roundabout because it is so magical. But, you know, and he just said, just, you know, give it a chance, you know, plan your journey when you're going around it. And, you know, people get to know it um, with all these new uh, link roads. So the final two links on the Dun Kettle interchange, where we are expecting those to be open to traffic before uh, lunchtime today. So um, very, I suppose, a great way to start the week of a Monday to, to have this opening. It's a 215 million euro project. Project. And it's hoped that it's you know going to alleviate uh, traffic congestion, improve safety, and streamline traffic flow for residents and businesses. So it's of great benefit to Cork, and it's great to see it. Um, it finally, I suppose, come to to a finish. And as I say, two weeks ahead of schedule. Um, and I suppose you know we we're talking about you know with the work that's been going on for for you know a couple I suppose a couple of years, and you know like 
they still maintained traffic flow going through it while the works were going on. Uh, Peter Walsh was saying 120,000 vehicles a day while the work was going on. So it's been... Um, it's mm. been, I suppose, a, a project of, it's been, it, you know, it's, it's been tough work to, to maintain the flow of traffic and also get get mm. this finished. What's been very difficult for drivers, and we've had many of them on here of a morning already, as you know, is that you go down through that interchange today and you go one way and then tomorrow you're going another way. Well, that's what I said. You know, it looks so complex when you're driving it and you're, you're at one stage there, like, you know, naturally before you were in the left lane going to Dublin. Now you're in the right lane going there. But again, the, the advice is, you know, kind of take a look at the layout now, you know, plan your journey before you, you go on to it. Watch the signs, he said, um, and, you know, you'd hopefully get to know it. I know some people probably drive it all the time, depending, I suppose, where you work, where you live. And, you know, no matter where you're going and there's others, then they might only drive it if they're going to Dublin and that might be not so often. So I suppose it's about planning and, and watching the signs and, and just getting to know it. I know I spoke to one person who was coming down here this morning who wouldn't be so used to maybe travelling uh, this direction and she actually told me she did a practice run on Saturday. So, you know, people, people we all I suppose have our own ways and means of getting familiar with new yeah. road layouts. But uh, it definitely, and, you know, they couldn't kind of confirm, you know, if they, the current speed limits the way they are, there's a lot of, you know, approaches there at 60k. There's no kind of confirmation yet on whether those speed limits are going to stay the same so it's just all about getting familiar with it and just giving yourself a chance and I suppose not to be too hard on yourself as well. Yeah, give yourself a bit of time to get used to it because it's been a huge change. Maureen, thank you Maureen Tuig of Cork's 96FM News Michal Martin, Simon Coveney and Michael McGrath were all, all of them all of them were down there this morning for the opening of the Dunkettle upgrade scheme so I suppose they'd all have to take a bit of credit for it wouldn't they? Oh stop it PJ you're being bold being bold. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. It's been a nightmare, but hopefully we're at the end of it now, and that we finally have, and we will have. Because if, you, in fairness, if you only look at it and go down, we have an. It's now a world class operation, but it's been a long, long time coming. Now can we get the children's hospital built? That might be useful too. Uh, okay, how are things? I'm in IT. I use Kids Locks. This is Anthony. Kids Locks on my phone. I can install it on my kids' devices and lock them out of anything I want. I can disconnect them from the internet at night so they get a good night's sleep. Highly recommended and worth every penny of the 40 euro it costs. Best of luck from Anthony. So is that, Anthony, that you get any phone you want, any smartphone, and you download this kids' locks onto it, and you can then control their phone from your phone? That's interesting. The, the, the ladies I was talking to, uh, Claire in particular and her partner Daisy, they don't want the children to have those phones at all. But if you must, you must. And there's a thing that Anthony is telling me about. <laughs> you made me laugh there, PJ, what you said about grape water and sending our babies to sleep half cut. I do remember that story when it came out about what was in grape water. And effectively, kids were going to school or going to sleep half cut. On fields of Atten Rye and other such things. This is my experience representing Ireland. We had Denny Boy as the national anthem, so nobody would be offended. Later it was changed to Ireland's Call, so no section would be offended. Personally, I don't mind either of them. Yeah, I know. Denny Boy is a nice one too. Yeah, Denny Boy would be would be a nice old song. Um, it's, it's, I, I love when people don't like... I love when people don't like... Ireland's call. I, I really, really do. I, I love having 
having fun with people who don't like Aaron's Call, you know. Because it's such a great song. I, I really do think it's a great song. I do. I do. Ireland's, Ireland's Call should be gone. The rugby crowd are always pro-English. There should be no county in Parky, no rugby also in Parky Cueve. The Cork County Board should be ashamed of themselves. There should only be one national anthem to honour the people who fought and died for Ireland. I know a load of people in Cork agree with me, as I've spoken to them. That's from Pierce, who's named after Padraig Pierce. And my son is named after Bobby Sands. Thanks, Pierce. The rugby chaps should certainly do with a few new songs. By all accounts, the atmosphere at Lansdowne Road was brutal yesterday. The atmosphere wasn't great now, Barry, to be fair, watching the match, because it was kind of over by half-time. What do you think I was going to do? It's for all the haters. This is the Opinion Live. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM The word is coming and it's your chance to win free money on Corks 96 FM. You're listening to Lorraine and Ross in the morning and all day long for this next big cash giveaway. So we're taking bits of the banter that the lads have in the morning and bleeping words out of it. And all you have to do is tell us the word for your chance to win cash. Starts next Monday to play the word only on Cork's 96 FM. Rain and Ross, listen to them very closely in the morning and then see which word we bleep out and see if you can remember it and you'll win money. 0818 96 96 96. Now, Valentine's Day is Wednesday. Uh, hot and heavy preparations now over the weekend and this couple of days and tomorrow and half four on Wednesday it'll be people running around flower shops and chocolates. There won't be a flower or a chocolate left. There'll hardly be a daffodil left at the side of the road. They'll all be ripped up out of it. It's that kind of a day. It's that kind of a day. Down in Absolute Flowers in Yall, Pamela Dillon is preparing for it. Uh, Pamela, is it the is it the busiest or is it the busiest day of of the year in in the flower trade? Morning. Good morning, PJ. Yeah, it is definitely one of the biggest days of the year anyway. Um, all kicking off now for Wednesday the 14th, so we're getting mad ready here at the moment in the shop. Which would be bigger, Valentine's Day or Mother's Day? Mother's Day. Mother's Day is always bigger. Everyone has a mammy. Yeah. Somewhere in the world, everyone has a mammy, but for Valentine's, you either have a Valentine or you have your little secret Valentine. So Mother's Day is always a bigger one. Is the, the half dozen or the dozen red roses still the big thing or do people go... This year it's the dozen roses. Really? I've actually noticed, yeah, a lot of our pre-orders this year have been for the dozen roses rather than the half dozen. Um, all the dozen roses and mixed bouquets obviously is, is also very popular, but I have actually taken back by the amount of dozen roses so far. Mm. It's great. They're popular. And it doesn't have to be all the red roses. Do you know, the, you've the, the white and the yellow and the orange and the pinks and the purples. Do you know, so a mixed dozen colour roses is just as beautiful. Mm. Do people order 
early or will you still have someone charging in the door at quarter past four on Valentine's Day going have you anything oh, left? Oh we'll have them at six o'clock on Valentine's Day coming in the door <laughs> we will indeed um, especially I find when Valentine's falls midweek you know we, we tend to forget about these things when they're on a weekend you know you're going out for a few drinks or a meal or whatnot and you get organised but midweek we kind of forget about it and I find um, after lunchtime can be very very busy because Mary has wronged John and said you know the other Mary got a lovely bouquet where's my bouquet in the office and there's a man panic then to get into the florist to get a bouquet. Because, he, because he's after thinking what, what's he talking about? What day is it? Like? Exactly. <laughs> it's brilliant fun. I love it. Absolutely love it. It's Happens great every the, the cost of doing the, the business uh, in general is, is, is gone way, way up. What's it like for florists? It's gone extremely hard for florists. There's all new regulations after coming through yeah. when you're you're bringing flowers in. Most of our flowers will come from Holland, and we have a few Irish growers, all right, but not many. So you're bringing them in, and especially with England, if they have to come through the UK, you have a lot of your flower supplies come through there, and you have the extra taxes and duties and customs and the whole lot. So it really, it's gotten really, really difficult here. We we don't get any tax breaks or anything like that. You know, we fall into a luxury good. So we have none of that, you know, I mean, whereas if you're in the beauty industry or you're in the hotel trade or anything that you had, you know, the lower VAT rate and all of that kind of thing. And we had none of that to help us. And no, we never do get it. You know, it's just your retail and that's it. You know, it's very hard. There's a Brexit backlash on blooms. There is indeed. How does Brexit affect your dozen red roses, for example? A lot of packaging would come from England. So a lot of the, the main packaging suppliers would be over in England. We do have some in Ireland, all right, um, but a lot of them will be there. So you're trying to get this stuff in. So you're paying extra customs then trying to get it in from the UK. So it all goes up and the timing, the ships now, ships generally do come in to Dublin direct from Holland, um, but some of them will go through the UK. If they go through the UK, there's an extra time delay in a day as well coming in. So it can affect us. Yeah. You mentioned the VAT rate. You didn't benefit from any no. changes uh, of late. The cost of everything, though, has gone up. We, we hear about restaurants and we hear about pubs and cafes and hairdressers all struggling to keep their doors open. Uh, are florists struggling? I mean, is the online yeah. business affecting you? See, online with floristry can be very tricky because most websites would, like the flower shops would have their own website. So you can work away on that. But there are what we call the order gatherers where you think you're ordering from a certain florist, but you're actually ordering from a mainline website and they'll either get in touch with the florist or they'll send something in a box to them. Mm. Now, some of the stuff can be great, um, but most of the time we'd get phone calls going, I ordered from you and it still hasn't arrived and we're going, no, you didn't order from our shop at all. So the website side of things can be very very difficult to try and manage for this but yeah, these are the huge websites that promise you same day delivery even if it's 10 o'clock yeah. valentine's morning like that yeah. exactly yeah you know and they could be delivered by your local courier company or they could have a truck down here themselves delivering or um, i know myself guaranteed valentine's day i'll have about 10 calls from a couple of the the bigger ones going can you deliver this for us? Do you have this? Can you do this? Because they've overbooked themselves yeah. and people are let down then. Whereas if you book directly with your, your local florist, they know how many dozen roses they have left yeah. and they know they have whatever, you know, and you can go in and order it or like that, go onto their local website, pre-order them from them a couple of days beforehand. And we've put that stock aside for you. Yeah. So nobody else is getting that, do you know, and do there's no let down then. Have you ever had to put up the sold out sign? 
I have. It was lovely. <laughs> it was really nice. Um, hasn't happened in a while now, but yeah, no, I have. And the, the, funny enough, like that, the dozen roses are the ones that will sell out fast yeah. rather than the half dozen or the mix, you know, the dozen red roses. It, it, it does. It sells out really fast. But it is a lovely thing to go. No, sorry, we're done. Uh, <laughs> we can't. Keep, keep a bottle of Prosecco on ice for putting up the sold out sign at half three. Oh, like. we do. It's in the back on the shelf <laughs> waiting for us now for Wednesday. Come here. Talk to me about the train. I, I saw some articles there over the last week or so that the possibility of the Yall train coming back has never been ruled out. What's the feeling in the area? Oh, it badly needs to come back. It really, really does. Um, I don't think it should have ever been taken away, to be honest with you. You know, it's it would bring so much to the town. It really would. But this comes up every kind of election year, every three or four years, we'll get it. Oh, we'll get the train back. We'll get the train back. I remember I bought my house down in Yall about 22 years ago on the thing that the train was coming back. And I mm. said, this is great. We'll be able to get up and down to Cork. And the train is still not here. And I don't even know, will the train come back, to be honest? But it would be amazing for this town to get this train back in here. It really would. Yeah, I see people talking about it yet again now. And you're right, we're in an election year. Yeah. So here we go again. You know, it's the we'll try to do everything to get it back and it's not ruled out and the lines are still there. And I mean, I know they have the Greenway coming, which is wonderful. And mm. um, we got noticed yesterday that that's going to open from Middleton to Mogili section. But yet again, the Mogili to Yall section won't be open. So we're still not benefiting from that being sit there. Do you know, where's the tracks? If they're there. Are they still there? Sit. They're still there. Yeah, they still run alongside. Um, I would imagine there's a lot of work needs to be done to of them. Course. There were some taken up now when they were doing the Greenway and what not. But there's still plenty of room. So they're telling us um, to bring that train there and because bring back what we've lost. You're 22 years in y'all. It's a much bigger town than it was when you moved. It would have been useful yeah. then. God knows how useful it would be now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have one of my girls here. She lives up in the city and she drives up and down every single day. If that train was available to her, she's reduced her cost straight off because she's getting on the train. She doesn't have to pay parking fees for her van when she's coming up and down. There's a serious lack of parking issue in yours. So she's not battling with that. Yeah. And she's she's coming down to work. So can imagine how many people would like to come down to work rather than going up to work even. Yeah. And you have the same boat ways. It would be so beneficial, especially when we don't have the facility for people to stay overnight here with the, the main hotel is gone here now. But, you know, you can have your day trippers are back and let's go to y'all on a whim for two or three hours, go yeah. to the beach, shop the local town and come away home for tea. Yeah. How is y'all doing generally? Looking around the place, it is struggling. You can see it. Um, we were looking the other day at the shops and it's every second shop seems to to be closed. Do you know, and you see one open, one close, one open, one close. And it doesn't look great. Do you know, there's, there's plenty of people here. Absolutely plenty of people walking around the place. But I think people are taking their shopping out of your town um, because they don't have the, the option to shop. Yeah. And what the shops that are here are just amazing. They yeah. are absolutely fantastic and they cover as much as they can. But there's not what it needs here to keep it going again. There's a great case to be made for bringing that train back. At a time when we're being told use public transport... Yeah. There's a great yeah. case for it. Pamela, I wish you a great Valentine's Day. I hope you do have that sold out sign up very, very early. Enjoy. I'll send you a picture of us. <laughs> Take care now and thanks. Thank you. Uh, cheers, cheers. Uh, have a great day. Uh, Pamela from Absolute Flowers in Yall. There's a whole discussion point on that train. I have always said from day one, like that train should never have been taken out of Yall. 
and should be put back at the earliest opportunity. That's when you go back to the stupidest decision in the history of the state when it comes to public transport. If you look at the West Cork Railway back a long time ago, some brain box decided, oh, get rid of that. There'll be no interest ever in having trains down to Baltimore or Skibbereen or Clonakilty or Bat. Look at the population in that area now. Imagine what it would be like if you had a train going all the way down to Baltimore, which it used to do. If you go down to Baltimore, there's a, the train station is still there. It's a sailing school, I think, in it now. Anyway, it's, it's just a pet, a pet peeve of mine. And the Yall train should never, never have been done away with. Never. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. 96 Phil says between between spring oh yeah you mean the first of March Phil yeah between spring and Ireland's call you could agitate for Ireland of course I could that's my job that's my job make one Celtic symphony to be sung or Celtic symphony Celtic symphony to be sung for the man oh Mick oh Mick you'd get a bit of a backlash there but it, there are people who agree with it on Oh, God, on Valentine's Day. Now, this is the words of John from Cove. These are not my words. John from Cove says, In these times of rising prices, I don't understand why fellas can't just pick a few flowers from the side of the road or a meadow and give a good practical gift that will benefit everyone in the family, like maybe an ironing board. John from Cove said that, not me. Not me. Uh, morning, PJ. Just listening to you on Dunkettle and it coming in on budget. Just wondering where where Bam involved. Don't even, don't even, don't even. Come here, Lorraine and Ross. In the morning, back tomorrow from six a.m. on Corks twenty six FM. You could be the next winner of the two grand minute. Yay or nay is back. More details on the word with free money to be had. But earlier this morning there was a bit of fun. We found out that Abby Clancy might have mistaken her husband for an alien. Sorry? What? Abby Clancy has claimed that she was stalked by three UFOs as she was driving at night. Now, I'm always quite excited about UFO stuff, right? Mm. Can I just debunk this? Because I think she might just get very confused. I think if we dig deeper, we're like, what did, did you see them? She's like, yeah, I saw them, yeah. What did they look like? They were just tall, very tall and slim, big heads. Like, that's your husband, Abby. <laughs> Lorraine and Ross in the morning. Weekdays from 6 a.m. Forks 96 FM. Yeah, the fun and game starts again tomorrow morning at 6 bells. That's it for most program edited by Emer O'Hay, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. All of your podcasts up shortly. And we shall talk to you tomorrow just after 9. Join the conversation. This is the Opinion Line. With the Furniture Centre, Watercourse Road, Blackpool. For sofas, beds, kitchen, dining and mattresses. Over 45 years in business. Thefurnituresentre.ie Corks 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. 
And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.